It's a little past 9.30. Shall I? Call the meeting to order, Gretchen. I'd like to call the meeting to order. It's uh, August the 18th, Independent Transportation Surtax Oversight Board meeting. It's just a little after 9.30. So if we could have a roll call, please. Douglas Coleman. Here. Anthea Pennant Wallace. Here. Phil Allen. Here. Erdal Gomez. Here. Ronald Frazier. Here. Alan Hooper. Here. Debbie Madden. Here. Um, Alejandro Munoz is on Zoom. I am here. Thank you. Good morning. Great. We have everybody on. And Shay Smith is uh, absent. I guess we have some action items today, Gretchen, is that correct? That's correct, Mr. Chair. Um, we are, because we did not get any follow-up questions from any of the members uh, that require any presentations of additional information, we'll move right in to action on the fiscal year 2024 budget items that you all saw on Wednesday. And I'm going to turn it over to Angela to walk you through uh, the motion statement and, and the eligibility, actually. Okay, so the first uh, action item would be for the FY 2024 proposed county projects and expenditures and um, for eligibility under 212055 Florida statutes. Um, the proceeds from the surtax can, shall be applied to um, projects that are used for, that are for the purpose of planning, development, construction, operations, and maintenance of roads and bridges within the county um, for uh, the development, expansion, operation, and maintenance of bus and fixed guideway systems um, and <clears throat> on-demand transportation. So the first action item includes the projects and the budget amounts for each of the county um, public works department and public uh, and the Department of Transportation's uh, budget totals uh, that were presented on Wednesday and it, we can take them all together if the board would like or if you'd like to separate them if there are any questions or discussion but the first motion would be to approve the statutory eligibility of the proposed projects and expenditures and the categories listed 
um, and if someone would like to, to raise the motion or make the motion. So moved, Mr. Chairman. You're moving approval of all of them? All of them. We have a second, please. Do you have any comments? I, do uh, do we need a roll call vote? Do we need? I'd, I'd like to just, pardon. I'd like to have a little discussion relative to the projects here. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, I just would note that, that, of course, this board's responsibility extend to the uh, use projects that use the uh, surtax. Uh, and I notice on the list, and, and we did have a presentation on it yesterday on the bypass road. That's not listed here because it's funded by the gas tax. Is that correct? No, the, the bypass road is listed here. It and is? it's within the very first bullet. So that oh. $92.5 million for public works capital design and construction includes $17.5 million for the port bypass 17, road. I thought it was 30 somewhere. It's 17.5 that's coming from the surtax. It's being leveraged by 30 plus million dollars of gas tax oh, okay. and an FDOT grant. Okay. So if you, I would just note then that, that including that with the um, intermodal center and the people mover, that those projects represent about $410 million next year, uh, not to mention that over the five-year program, it's, it's well over, or it is over $2 billion uh, being invested in the footprint of a couple of miles. Uh, and we've got so many different departments taking these projects on, you know, and it's not really a role of this committee other than to just to make a comment uh, because it doesn't affect the eligibility, et cetera. And it's, they are all within the guidelines of what is in fact eligible projects. But I would like to encourage somebody to develop some kind of a project management tool or function that will take all these, these different projects. I mean, you've got highway, you've got the airport, you've got the seaport. Uh, and since a lot of the investment is at the port, you've also got the port. And those entities have ongoing management responsibilities for running their operations and to also be devoting from like five different points of view this overall project coordination, uh, I am concerned and, and would recommend somewhere along the line somebody develop some kind of a tool or some kind of a management responsibility to pull all of these things together. You got, you're going to have permitting issues, you've got right away, you've got acquisition, you've got technology support. I encourage, I mean, these are wonderful projects and things that we have talked about as a community for 20, some of them for 20 years now. And we're now starting to see, we've got a real effort here in devoting real money to these projects. It, yeah, my Can rough I, calculation was we're spending about, in over the five year period, we're spending um, about 14, 15% of what we're gonna collect on the surtax over a 30 year period. So, you know, it's not a responsibility of our MAP administration other than to monitor the, the expenditure stuff, but the management function I am very concerned with. Uh, and you can take that back to the county administrator or to the I board. will do so. 
I will uh, bring it back uh, to Mr. the county administration. Mr. Allen, maybe I'm naive, but I was assuming that's what MAP was going to do. No. I mean, am I wrong? So we will monitor the finances through a centralized financial system that you all recommended that we develop back in 2019. And we are going to be able to see the leverage that's coming in. We'll know when uh, our various partners uh, within the county are pursuing other uh, funding sources. And they are aware. Everyone is on the line, just so that you all are aware. Um, Everyone who has items in the 24 budget that's being considered today is available virtually if there are any questions. And so the, it, the various agencies that are taking the lead on these projects that you're referencing understand that they will be coming back in front of the oversight board for the future. Once the surtax funds have been given to the agencies that are sponsoring these projects, they're responsible to come back and provide updates and progress reports and status. And we will be reporting on the financial aspects of those projects, whether or not they're on target, whether or not they're on schedule, whether or not they're on budget, whether or not they've been successful in achieving some of the financial assumptions that they presented to you on Wednesday. But with respect to project management, you are correct. The centralized project management of uh, any of you know these projects that are led by uh, by other agencies is not something that MAP administration is responsible for. So I will be having a conversation with county administration about that. Okay. So uh, Alan again, it goes much beyond the financing and, and the commitment of the dollars. It goes into th things as well. When, when are we going to close this road, or what is going to be the impact over here? You know, you've got three different cities involved. You've got Dania, you've got Fort Lauderdale, and Hollywood. Uh, this is a, a ter I mean, outstanding project concept, but it, it is, you know, and, it, and overall it falls to the county administrator and her management staff uh, to, to coordinate that. I just would like to see that kind of come together in some kind of a tool that on the peripheral we can look at what the financing and how that's going, et cetera. But on the, on the accomplishment, I mean, the uh, completion of the environmental impact uh, report. Uh, you know, I asked a question yesterday about, well, there was a project that was done before, but we weren't able to get uh, uh, no significant impact because we didn't have funding. Now we have funding, so you can go back and brush off that existing environmental, you have a different agency involved, uh, but that's fine. So that's my only comments as it relates, and I, I just encourage staff to, to proceed and, and congratulate them on seeing these things come into vision now uh, from something that was, you know, covered with a lot of fog for a lot of years. Mr. Hooper? Yeah, I, I, Mr. Allen's right on. I mean, it's going to be extremely complicated, but um, I'm quite sure that on the engineering side and all the funding sources probably include a great deal of management that's in the budget for those things. Uh, but, you know, it would be interesting if we could kind of understand the if just as a practical matter for the public to know through us what's going on, maybe some sort of an org chart or something that shows how um, the, the players are going to manage through this. It could be simple or it could be super uh, complicated, but 
I think we would benefit from understanding how the, at the higher level it's going to be managed. Certainly when you get to the construction, there's players out there that, that work around the airport and the port. Some of them probably work at both, uh, at both facilities that understand the permitting and the moving around and how difficult it is to execute. But uh, it would be good to understand how the, 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 the players are, are going to interact uh, and how this will be uh, executed from the, uh, from the agency standpoint. But it is going to be very complicated. And, uh, and I, too, congratulate um, all the different players that are going to put this together because I think that this is going to take our airport and our seaport to that world-class level. And, you know, half you talk about what are, the, what are some of the things that slow your day down? And a lot of people are, have to travel to do business. And the smoother, and I just got back from Miami Airport. What a, they're working on it, but that's, that airport's a mess. And so ours is so nice, and we're making it nicer. So it really sets the tone for our, our county and our community when we do things like these. So I'm, I'm very happy with those projects. Mr. Chair, one, Go one, ahead. one quick comment. Um, I'm really glad that you raised that uh, question to uh, Mr. Allen, because I think it is important, not just for these projects, but for all our projects. And we heard a little bit yesterday about the impact of the dollars spent. And I think that needs to be a constant every year that we're reviewing um, how the investment from the penny tax is creating the results that we want to see um, in terms of uh, alleviating congestion, uh, how it's enhancing connectivity, but also how it's creating economic impact and ideally the propensity for whatever action we're doing to increase the penny tax dollars. Um, it would be good to kind of know whether or not there's some real return on the investment in terms of for every dollar penny tax invests over a certain time period, we're seeing a, an uptick in terms of the increase in penny tax revenue. Um, I would be curious to see that because, you know, we're making these decisions now, but the truth is these dollars were um, projected over a 30 uh, year period. And we don't want to spend all of the money now and then have nothing for our children to spend um, when they're sitting here, right? So um, I, I just want us to kind of keep tabs on that um, throughout the, the entire period so we get a sense of where we're going and how frugal we can be. Thanks. Any, any other comments? So, uh, Mr. Fraser made a motion. And who was second? I'll second. <laughs> and the Thea will second it. Mm -hmm. Any more discussion? Do we need a roll call vote? Do we need a roll call vote, or we can just do it by I or nays? Mr. Chairman, just just I'm sorry, conclude so. my Go ahead. comments here. I, I don't know whether we think it's necessary at this point in time to do any kind of uh, follow up as it relates to uh, as as part of as we have in the past. Sometimes we have included comments in our transmittal letter. For you know those types of concerns, I don't know if you want to incorporate something like that into the motion. Whoever made the motion. Okay. So if I may, I think what, what I can.
provide a summary of what you were asking for. So it's a coordinated project management system um, that would coordinate. The recommendation would be organization an organization like structure that. that coordinates the project management for all of these, uh, the projects that are included in the plan right. because they're, they're interconnected. The, the port projects, the, 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 the rail among the port seaport, and the, the port bypass road, the airport seaport connector with rail, the people mover at, at aviation, and, uh, and the, the intermodal and center. The convention center. Right, correct. So the, the, the request would be the recommendation to include with the motion, the, so it would be a motion to approve the proposed projects and expenditures in the categories listed and presented by the Public Works Department, the Aviation Department, the Transportation Department, and MAP Administration on August uh, 16th, 2024, all right, for their FY 2024 budget. And uh, so it's approving the statutory eligibility of the proposed projects and expenditures and recommending a project management structure that coordinates among the various projects. Does that accurately? Um, okay. Track the return on investments in terms of all of these projects moving forward. How, how do we do that? Would that be through that management tool? Do you want to? No. Wanna so mix project management for the projects is coordination of the different um, activities for the project themselves. The projects themselves, coordinating design, coordinating uh, destruction. I mean construction, which would include you know traffic management and all of that. So that's one piece. The project management piece is what Mr. Allen is referring to. So tracking the finances is is another piece, right? Correct. But it's not part of project management. But we, we do track the the leverage, the, the the surtax funding, the other funding sources, which are are, are tracked as leverage and the. the for project costs. But what about and, the propensity for? And we can track. Um, we know where sales, sales tax uh, revenues are generated, mm -hmm. you know, so we, we can bring that back to you okay. over time. I mean, everything is, when we're doing these projects, we're looking forward, so right. we're projecting. Um, so we project a certain level of increased revenue as a result of improvements and then we would have to come back generally what we do now when when we bring back the information with respect to our annual audits yeah. uh, we would just have to distill that down to whether or not we were accurate with respect to our projections of increased revenues as a result of investments which and we can the, certainly try to do we want to mix what you're saying into this motion <coughs> along okay. with that. I think it'll dilute what I'm saying and we're doing a lot of what you're saying anyway but we need to, we'll do it. We can do that under member reports. Okay, thank you. Uh, we have Maybe a motion. Maybe we can handle this by, Mr. Erdl? I would I mean, offer that as an amendment to the original motion then. Yes. To incorporate what Angela Do we have to said. vote on that first? Do we have to vote on the amendment to the motion? You need a second to the amendment. So if Mr. Allen made the motion, then I guess Mr. Allen um, amended it. I guess you can. It's a friendly amendment. I don't know I who. I made the original motion. Okay. So you made the original motion, and Thea seconded it. You added an amendment. Yes. So does Mr. Fraser accepts the friendly accept amendment, the, uh, right, to his motion? And, and so do I. As a second, I second it. So. Well, you don't have to second his. He's already accepted it, right? Right. Is that right? Right. So okay. it's the amendment. I mean, it's the 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 original motion 
which is the line that the, the, the projects as listed and the funding associated with those projects as listed with a recommendation with regard to coordination and project management. And Mr. Frazier has accepted we'll, that. We'll be sending a letter to that effect. Okay. Right. And as a recommendation. Anyone right. else? I, everyone's got their lights on. Do they want to speak? Oh. I just want to make a comment, but it's probably more appropriate you know, during the discussion after you know, this particular uh, action you know, item you know, regarding our municipal partners and, 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 and their position and, and also... So you don't want to say anything right now? Not right now. Okay. Yeah. So we have a motion, amended motion. All in favor? Aye. 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 Anyone opposed? Motion passes. All right. Uh, Erdl, do you want to wait or do you want to say something now? I'll, I'll wait. Okay. Yeah. We are now. On to the five-year plan, Mr. Chair. Pardon? We're off to the five-year plan now. <coughs> Why a five-year plan? Now, I think we're going to have Tony come up and start talking about this. Sure. Is that right? So we'll invite Mr. Huey up as we go through the various five-year plans that are being proposed. Now this is somewhat of a recap of what we did yesterday, correct? So what you'll notice in the five-year plans is that you'll see the requests from fiscal year 2024 generally highlighted by the agencies, but then what you'll also see is what they are proposing and projecting to do from 25 through 28, the new fifth year of the five-year plan. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. The board. Mike's not on. I'm sorry. Mike's, Mike's not, not on. on. Okay. Let's see. The good news, Tony, is your name cards there. <laughs> How do I do that? I think they activated it. Tony, try once more. Uh, is this better? Right, excellent. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, should I get started? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, um, I'm here to discuss the public works portion of our five-year plan for the surtax program. Um, in summary, this is the chart similar to the one that we saw yesterday for FY24. Um, uh, the five-year program, the total amount that we're requesting is $362 million. And what that does is that it is, it is um, in the same categories as we had discussed in the past. So I'm not going to go through uh, the details of that. And I'm also not going to go through the specificity that we did yesterday. There, there are a total of 220 plus projects included in this program. About half of it are related to design projects. And then about half of it is related to construction of the projects that are going to come up. Uh, number wise is about a 50-50 split. In terms of the dollar portion of it, of the 362 million, about 10% of that is related to design projects and the remaining 90% or so is related to construction. It makes sense in terms of a split that we gear up design with the construction costs coming up. What I'm going to do is, is that um, as we go through, oh, by the way, this includes all of the projects we discussed yesterday. And then as we go forth in each year that come up, I will do, do the similar thing that we have done in the last couple of years, 
which is go through it with the same degree of detail that you have seen yesterday as we go through on every one of the, um, uh, um, uh, every one of the fiscal year. So uh, this is a quick summary of where we had, where, where we are, where we're headed, and where we want to go, about $362 million in total for the next five years. Is there any questions that I can answer for the board? See any questions, Tony? Okay, and that's all I have for the board for this morning. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Tony. And now we'll invite we'll invite Corey Cuff-Lonergan to come forward and present the Transportation Department's five-year plan. Good morning, everybody. Again. Good morning. Good to see you all. Um, Tony, that's all he has to do is talk about these one slide. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so uh, a couple uh, small follow-ups from yesterday that I'd like to, to share with you. Um, first of all, um, there was a comment made, uh, and good morning, I'm sorry. Uh, there was a comment made uh, yesterday about us taking the, um, the spots that you saw yesterday for like the Late Shift Connect um, and some of the other spots that we showed and have them play at some of the um, city council commission meetings. And so, um, incidentally, yesterday I was at the Broward County uh, City Managers Association meeting, and I had the opportunity to um, meet uh, Greg Harrison, um, who is the, the chairman of that um, organization, the president right now. Um, it was hosted at the Junior Achievements uh, building. I don't know if you've been there yet, but it's, it's very nice. and. Um, it's in the lovely city of, um, of Coconut Creek. And so uh, I have an action to follow up with him. I didn't do it yesterday. I was a presenter for Primo. But I will follow up with him to see if we can make that happen uh, and, and push that out to the other cities. Um, the other thing is that um, I wanted to make you aware there was a comment about some of the faith-based outreach um, and continuing to, to go down that lane. Um, for the Primo plan, um, we did touch base with about 250 faith-based organizations here in Broward County. Um, we did that through emails and uh, phone calls with an uh, invitation to come and talk to them about the Primo plan. And, um, and, and so, for, so far, we haven't had too many people adopt, you know, say yes to that yet, but we're following up on that on the Primo side. And since yesterday, um, Lynn, um, who, who stood up here yesterday with me, uh, has assigned somebody on her team, uh, Lana, to uh, pursue that more aggressively on the operating side as well. So we have that one covered. Um, and then the last one that I want to mention is around the Late Shift Connect, because there was some feedback there that I thought was, was great. Um, just so you're aware, uh, there was outreach to the Tourism Coalition, the um, Hard Rock Group and others to kind of promote the um, um, uh, Late Shift Connect. We've been out on the digital platforms also um, promoting Late Shift Connect as of late. And we even had some of our commissioners put it in their, um, their newsletters to, to push it out into, into the public and raise awareness. So we're acknowledging that there's still work to do on that. Um, and um, I've also reached out um, to my colleagues, um, Phil Dunlop, who runs our cultural division, and Tara, uh, who runs our health and wellness um, 
health and welfare, I'm sorry, division, and um, also uh, um, Stacy, who does our tourism, to ask them to push it out to their contacts in, the, um, in their respective areas of responsibility. So Tara's already gotten back to me and said she's happy to. Uh, so I just wanted you to know that those three are in the works and are being covered. I know there were other suggestions. I am tracking with you, sir, about you know, the um, program management piece. I understand, I hear you, um, and I know there's some other comments that were made too. So I just wanted to lead off or start off the conversation with that follow-up for you. Okay, so um, the, uh, I'm here to talk about the uh, five-year um, plan for us uh, for the uh, Broward County Transit. And again, the categories are transit way, transit, transit infrastructure, and commute around. We talked about them yesterday. Um, at this point, our overall ask for surtax is about 1.1 million. Um, and we also are looking for non-local commitments of about 1.6 million for a grand total of $2.7 million investment over the next five years. Um, just, and, just to clarify for the record, those are billions, billions, oh, billions, each of those. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> billions. Uh, yes. You would have accepted that. I would have been on top of it if we were negotiating. <laughs> just, just kidding. Okay. Billions, billions, billions. Thank you, Gretchen. I appreciate that. So for the Primo plan, um, we have the uh, LRT, the Airport Seaport Convention Center, and we just talked about some of that coordination. Um, and then the uh, LRT, downtown Fort Lauderdale, uh, Seaport, and the center, um, convention center, you know, that extension. Uh, bus rapid transit on Oakland Park Boulevard, and the um, bus rapid transit along US 441 or State Road 7. Um, that will buy about 108 non emission, zero emission electric um, fixed route buses. Uh, also support our electric charging infrastructure and build out uh, 119 new paratransit vehicles, 250 new bus shelters, two intermodal transfer centers, and uh, transit development plan, which we're in our 2024, our 2023 transit development plan, and then we'll be up again for renewal in 2027, which is in that five-year horizon and then also the comprehensive operational analysis, um, and that'll be coming up in 2028. Okay, so for our transit and BRT over the five-year uh, look ahead, we're talking about a total of 684 uh, million this time um, for our light rail uh, transit and bus rapid transit. Uh, and, and again, we're having that non-local commitment. Um, the idea here is 25% of it, we're roughly, uh, we're anticipating being funded through the surtax with the remaining 75% through non-local matches. However, for the bus rapid transit, uh, Oakland Park Boulevard, we're looking at that being 100% surtax uh, so that we can get that up and running as quickly as possible. Um, and there's some advantages to doing that with local funds. Um, so this is the airport seaport connector. I know that you're, you, you know, we've talked about this before. Just a reminder, you know, we're looking at about three miles of elevated light rail transit um, and that um, we will connect airport, seaport, and convention center. And the annual uh, ridership that we're expecting 
is about uh, anywhere between 130k to 665,000, 100,000, and uh, we're wanting that to open in 2028. And the price tag for that is about 1.25 billion. Um, and then, Lori, <clears throat> can I interrupt a minute? Sure. You have that opening in 2028. That's the plan. Wow. Yep. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. So the schedule's aggressive, and we we recognize that it's definitely aggressive. Um, and you know, it's the other side of that is you know we've been. The, the surtax has been in existence now for what five years four about four years okay and and so we are trying to catch up and um, you know it is aggressive and, and I, I recognize that so any other questions about it sir any other questions sir okay great. thank you Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, all right. So this one is the the again. This is the extension over time. This includes the system planning and design, the construction, project management, and vehicles. We talked a little bit about the PM piece um, earlier in your your overall discussion. That sounds more like um, program management. Um, for all of the coordination for all of these projects in the same vicinity. Um, just so you know, we are using consultants to support our staff in terms of the PM piece and the design piece for all of our, our projects. And clearly, um, we will be using con uh, contractors to do the build out for us. Um, and then this is the downtown portion. Um, this is an additional three miles. And um, we're, we're connecting um, all these uh, three uh, economic engines to downtown Fort Lauderdale. The price tag here is about 4.7. I'm sorry, 417 million. Um, and this one we're hoping to have in place by 2031. Um, and then this is the uh, the, the uh, breakdown of costs and associated areas of um, expenditure from our PD&E and environmental system planning and design, project management, and construction. I, I do have a question on that previous slide. Sure. Back to one more. One more. Uh, the 417 million is what would be spent between now and 2028, but there's going to be a lot more money spent between 28 and 31, I presume, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay, thank yeah. you. You were just today, for you know, point of reference, I'm just talking about these five years. Right. Um, there's a lot more to go and coming forward here. Okay, so this is Excuse I just me. did this Mr. one. Before okay. we leave this slide. Mr. Allen. This one? Where where is the uh, the transit center in the donut? Where the at the airport for the Transportation hub, the intermodal center. The intermodal center. Oh, so it is. It's near the highway. No, I, I mean I know where it's. Okay, it's in the cloverleaf of the entry ramp, but where is the funding it's, for that? I mean, it's in the aviation department. In the I, aviation department. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what came to you for 2024 when you just approved the fiscal year 2024. That was the automated people there. mover and the intermodal center. 
So APM and IMC are both being led by Broward County Aviation at this point. That was the $2 billion we were talking about yesterday. Well, it's about $400 million for those two projects from the surtax in 2024. But the overall project was $2 billion and 400000 was coming from surtax. So we can we can go back to that when um, Ms. Lonergan is, is finished, if you'd like to look at that. Okay. Anything else before I go on? All right. This is um, Oakland Park Boulevard. Uh, just as a reminder, this is... Um, 15 miles of the bus rapid transit uh, will connect uh, the Sawgrass Mills Mall area to uh, the um, Oakland Parks, the city of Oakland Park. Um, we'll have uh, 16 branded stations and um, where feasible we'll have the exclusive uh, bus lanes and um, we'll supplement that with local um, bus route. And uh, the cost here is about um, on the higher end. Um, it's two point. I'm sorry, 213 uh, million, and the annual ridership is about uh, 3.2 million that we're anticipating, and we're hoping that'll open in 2028. That's our projection. Uh, again, here's the breakdown by category, uh, which is very similar to what you've already seen: um, project planning and design, uh, on all the way down uh, to vehicle acquisition, and that's about 213 uh, million over the next five years. Uh, this is the State Road 7 corridor. Uh, this is um, a bus rapid transit um, corridor complemented with a, a high-frequency bus service, which is the green to the north. And um, the overall ex request here in total is about $216 million, with $54 million coming from surtax uh, and the remaining um, coming from our partners from the state and federal government. And then we have equipment purchases as part of that as well. And then um, these are uh, our transit category. So over five years, uh, this is focusing on our fixed route buses, our high frequency buses, our paratransit vehicles, and uh, planning studies. So the uh, total expenditure here overall is, is 181 million roughly, and the ask of surtax is the total amount of that uh, request with uh, no local, no, no non-local um, funding requested in this case. So um, this will prepare us for the purchase of 63 electric buses for our, um, for our fixed route service at a uh, cost of about nine, $97 million. And then also the purchase of 45 electric buses for a high-frequency bus service at a cost of $60 million. Um, beginning in FY 2024, those procurements start to take place. Uh, from a paratransit perspective, uh, we're looking at purchasing 119 new uh, paratransit vehicles and uh, at a cost of uh, about $13 million. And then we're going to convert about 104 of our um, e existing uh, vehicles to um, propane, which is a cleaner fuel source for us at an expense of about $1.1 million. Then again, we have those planning studies, the transit development uh, plan uh, in FY 2027 will be due to do that, and then in 2028 we'll be due to do another comprehensive operational analyst, uh, analysis of our existing system. And at that point, we'll include uh, some of the new stuff. Okay, um, now, 
uh, for transit infrastructure. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about what's included in this category in just a second, but just to kind of talk about the financial end of it, uh, we're looking at about $293 million of surtax funding for it. Um, and it includes our uh, Western um, Broward Intermodal Center. So this is the terminus point for uh, the convergence of, you know, the light rail, the uh, all of our existing fixed route service that serves uh, Sawgrass, whatever's going to be new coming out of the comprehensive analysis, and then also um, the, um, the bus rapid transit for Oakland Park. So um, we're looking at about $7.4 million for that. And um, the Hollywood Transfer, Hollywood Transit Transfer Center, uh, we did talk about that yesterday. And uh, that is the intent here is to relieve some of the traffic on um, Young Circle by relocating the bus layover areas as well as the transfer locations uh, away uh, to a, a different facility. Uh, and that'll be located at uh, Federal Highway and uh, uh, Taylor Street. Um, and then this is also including the electric bus charging infrastructure, uh, bus shelters, um, and uh, bus stop improvements. And here's a list of all the projects and the uh, dedicated um, resources fi and financial resources needed to pursue them over the specific time horizons that are listed in the right-hand side. Um, and then these are our uh, infrastructure, so the other IT, we talked about that yesterday for transit infrastructure that does include our IT projects as well as land acquisition and security enhancements and project management. Um, and so the, from a uh, technology perspective, we're looking at the continuation of our contactless open payment fare system, intelligent uh, software, asset software, um, which is supports the maintenance of our buses and understanding um, some of our asset management requirements and uh, running repair um, um, responsibilities, our access point replacements. So this is, you know, kind of small, but it's just for uh, some of our phones for new employees and spare phones. So that's the kind of our comm piece that's folded in there. Um, and then um, we're looking to uh, use about 2.4 million of it um, to support our CAD AVL, um, which is our computer-aided um, dispatch, um, to help us uh, do better vehicle loca locating and um, the, also the um, dispatching of our fleet. And then um, our land acquisition is at about 51 million. As you know, uh, we've talked about this. We do not have um, any uh, property yet identified for our light rail facilities. Um, our maintenance facility, so that's going to be uh, folded into that, as well as, you know, some of the other acquisitions that we might have to make as a result of some of the improvements that we're proposing under PRIMO. Mr. Chairman. Sure. Mr. Hooper. Mr. You, oh. Phil Allen. How do you hand, I'm sorry, the IT security? Do you provide that as an agency, or does do you do uh, county security um, on information our, technology? Yeah, no. So we have our own um, uh, secure IT. So we are part of 
ETS, which is the overall county um, umbrella. And so we are under their security protocols um, or cybersecurity protocols. But we do have, from our perspective, tools that we use for our operations that are very different from the rest of the county. Um, and so, you know, we have our own specific softwares and technology that we use. Uh, as example, uh, our buses have, I believe, eight cameras on the inside of every bus and 12 cam cameras on the exterior. Um, and so we capture that data and are able to pull that um, when we need to. I was talking more about uh, if our uh, data security and network security. Yeah, that is ETS. And, and just to, to you know, be transparent here, we cannot buy anything and put it on our network unless they approve it. Okay. So there's a whole process of And vice versa. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we, we don't do that. Mr. Hooper? Yeah, so on the land acquisition part of it, um, I know that that $51 million is so that you're, you can pretty much bust a move on a piece of property before you have to <laughs> come in here and ask us for the money, right? So that makes a, a lot of sense. Um, I know that there's a, uh, a lot of properties that the county owns. Uh, are there any out there that they're not using, don't have any use for where you could maybe dispose and then throw that into the fund or, or I don't know. I, it, it would be interesting because I know the city uh, has a lot, the city of Fort Lauderdale has a lot of properties and they sometimes will dispose the ones that they don't need or they'll contribute them to the CRA or something like that. So that way there's, uh, you know, we're not buying something just because it's for sale and then we find out that we're sitting on something that we bought but didn't really bake it out totally or are there pieces that we've done that in the past and that we could now dispose of and maybe Again, I, I, I just, I see properties, I look around all the time, I'm constantly looking at the Broward County tax appraiser's map, looking for real estate. I am not talking about me personally, but you run into a lot of real estate that cities and county owns that are, that are trees, that are Malaluka trees and stuff. They're just sitting there. Looks like Angela has an answer. Okay. Yes, so all property acquisition is um, coordinated through the real property division. So Larry Mahoney is the director of real property. He has an inventory of all of the county's property and any acquisition of additional property is coordinated through real property. So there is an inventory. We look at the areas where you know there's a need and whether the county owns property in those areas um, and all of those uh, factors that you just mentioned are taken into consideration, whether there's actually county-owned property that can be utilized for the needed purpose. Thank okay. you. Okay, so this is our commuter rail um, project. This is the south, southern portion of it. Uh, again, this is south of the New River, three stops at Hollywood, uh, the Fort Lauderdale Airport, and then the third stop um, before the river uh, which would be the terminus at this point of the project, um, and that is at uh, Broward County and um, Broward Health um, Facility. And uh, this is 11 miles, and um, we are connecting with Miami-Dade. And so if, you know, when we have the full complement of all the stations from RN plus Miami, uh, we'll be looking at a 
annual ridership of about 4.8 million. Um, we're estimating an opening date of uh, 2027, and the um, total investment here is uh, in the 297 million range. Um, and and so um, uh, there's a portion of this that's already been committed by our um, uh, commissioners, which I believe you're aware of. We're also looking for a non-local match uh, from the FTA. I, I did mention yesterday um, that there's two things that are happening that are really great. Um, one is that we're going to be submitting our paperwork in for a rating for as a new start. So any project that's under $400 million is uh, eligible to participate in the new start program. Um, and so there's a sequence of events that have to happen. We don't have to get a rating, um, but um, projects that get a rating kind of have a, a heads up about where they stand potentially against other uh, projects that may be more competitive or, you know, we, we can figure out where we stand against the competition. And it's also an opportunity for us to tweak things that are concerns for the um, FTA. And um, so that's where we are. That's going to be submitted next week. And um, we're super excited to really hit that milestone. And uh, I actually have a meeting with um, the Brightline folks next week as well. So well, things are moving. Okay. So uh, this is the uh, five-year uh, transit operating um, expenses. So overall, for the next five years, we're looking at spending uh, $781 uh, million, roughly, uh, and that's our BCT operating expense. So that's for our buses and general operations. And then the Late Shift Connect is, is a steady um, cost for the next three years, and then there will be um, an anticipation of a drop-off in 2027-2028, so we'll have to take a second look at that. And then um, the microtransit program uh, is funded through 2026 with um, a drop-off in 2027 and 2028. So um, the total uh, operating uh, ask overall, again, is that $78.9 million. And then this is our overall transit uh, operating landscape. So this is our revenue um, stream here. So the surtax, as you can see, is on the top line, and that's what you guys um, are contributing to us. So thank you so much for that. Um, and this is through 2028, um, and, it, and we're looking back in 2020. So it's that um, eight-year horizon. Um, we also have our fare box revenue, so that's the source of um, revenue for us, or, or it contributes to part of our revenue um, equation. We have our general fund, which is, you know, from our property taxes that we have a, a steady stream of dollars that are consistent over the next five years from there. We also have the gas tax that's dedicated to our transit. Then we have our, our advertising uh, contract, uh, and then we have our block grants from the FDOT. Uh, these grants are used, they're formula grants, and they help with our operating expenses. Um, they're, they're based on ridership and mileage and a bunch of other stuff, but uh, it's, a, it's a really good resource of, um, that we have out there to support us. And um, then the COVID relief. So we all know that the CARES Act is coming to an end, and um, it's, we've been fortunate to get the money that we have from the CARES Act, so it's been offsetting some of the expenditures that we've been uh, planning to ask the tax to um, fund. 
And so we're seeing that drop off in 24 and, and forward as those funds are no longer available. Um, and so um, that is our number. So this is what it looks like over the next eight years. I've got, we, we both have questions. <laughs> oh, sorry. Anthea? Sorry. Yes, I, I really love this um, spreadsheet and it had me thinking um, how important it might be for us to have something similar to this on all the projects that we've funded through penny tax dollars to kind of give us a perspective of how much we're spending and maybe we already do but I, I, I don't recall seeing it configured this way. Um, I love the fact that you've laid out where the surtax dollars are coming from and any additional resources. Um, I, I just think that we need to be mindful of how we're spending. When I see all these billions <laughs> being spent, I worry sometimes that are we going to get to five years from now? Because so many of these uh, budgeted items are multi-year um, investments. And I worry that you know five years from now, um, when we look at other opportunities to invest in other projects, we don't have enough funding. And they're just as important as the ones we're looking at now. So I, I, I really like the idea of us looking at those that we've already approved and um, just kind of looking at it with this eye. Um, I, and I don't know whether or not that's possible, but. It is possible, and we do have that in our internal dashboard, and we will be sharing that with you at your retreat on October 20th. Perfect. Thank Mr. you, Hooper? sir. I love yeah, this. and kind of like this is just after hearing what Anthea said. I'd almost like to see a cash flow projection where you show us the revenue, you show us the project expense, operation, all that, and then we just see how our bottom line looks at the end of every year so that Anthea knows that her children, when they're sitting on this board, will be able to spend some money, yes. right? Correct. <laughs> okay, and and yeah, because that's interesting. And I was get one of my comments was on the revenue side. Is there somewhere this week this week that we have seen the revenue projections uh, and how much sales tax we bring in on an annual basis and what we brought in th that applied to this year or to the it would be interesting. I don't. I don't think I've seen that. That, okay, we brought in this year, a hundred million in sales tax. I, that would be interesting. What I can do is, when everybody has completed their presentations, I can pull up the county's budget book that does show all of okay. that information. That'd be great. And then, uh, just a question. It's a hard question, because uh, in the past, our operations, as a when we were sized pre-surtax, we spent, there was a probably gas tax, gener general fund, there was probably some block grants, and it ran the operation, right? I just, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, because the general fund transfer, did we, are we, did we take over some of what was before on the operational side? Because it's, it's constant. It's, the general fund is 26.9 every single year, and it doesn't go up with inflation or anything. And so was that, the question is, was that the number that was being spent pre 
surtax and then was it set to stay constant going forward or did we just pick up 40 million in what was part of the old system you follow me yes i do i'm and just Tim doing this on behalf of people. the people we yes. represent tim's gonna come up and help me with this answer right yeah thank you good morning Good morning. Tim Garling, Deputy General Manager. So uh, good to see everybody this morning. Yeah, so when we put together the 30-year plan, right, one of the uh, principles that we had, uh, what you saw with the general fund transfer, the gas tax, those were the traditional levels of those right. amounts that we had uh, in, in the past, right? That's how we were running our system, that along with our fare right. box and, and whatever. So as we put the plan together, the, the idea was to uh, keep that level of effort constant throughout the 30-year the program and then use the surtax to pay for increase of existing services and to fund um, uh, the new services that we're going to have. So this really is kind of reflecting now, rolling out, it's reflecting the plan that we had and now you're seeing this kind of come to life and you're seeing as more and more projects get done and we expand our service. Uh, you're seeing the surtax take a bigger bigger piece of what's going on in the future but it, it was really always anticipated that the level of effort that was originally there was just going to stay at that level and the surtax is a supplement okay so it's it's just it's it's what it was before and it's Constant. going forward constantly okay yeah. great thank you okay, tim thank i appreciate you. that okay. just an after comment of that i would have thought that <laughs> at least the general fund transfer would go up for inflation because if not, I mean, we're taking everything more out of surtax. In fact, my did you vote was, for the lottery when it was offered? Pardon? I said, did you vote for the lottery when it was created to supplement education dollars? <laughs> hey, let's not get into that one. But my comment is, why wouldn't that at least go up? You know, you got a good. You guys are really good at increasing my taxes at three percent every year. So you ought to be increasing the general fund transfer at 3% a year or something like that. Anyway, you guys, it's just a comment. Now, but my other comment is the total five-year operating is $368 million, and right now the transportation surtax total is a little over $200 million, which is what, 60% or something like that, or even 70%. This is really maybe a, some help with Gretchen here. Looking at all the other projects where we matching dollars and getting money, it looks like we're putting in about a quarter of the funds. And big, the big airport thing the other day was was two billion dollars, and we're putting in four hundred thousand. As a general rule, that's what it looks like. This is obviously slanted because of the operations. And I'm not saying good or bad. I'm just saying that that's that's why I think. Alan was asking about the fixed rate, and I'm asking about why doesn't it grow a little bit? Because uh, uh, that's just an observation. It looks like we're we're giving a lot more than 25 or 30 percent. We're not being able to do as much with our surtax dollars in the operating as we are elsewhere. That's all. That's just a comment. I don't know no. what we can do anything about it, but. Anthea? I, no, I agree with your comment. It's, it's, it's as if the penny tax has taken on the um, lion's share of the responsibility and the county has just decided that they'll stay status quo and enjoy the benefits, the added benefits of the dollars being generated through the penny tax. So I, I hear what well, you're saying. Well, there's also something to be said if we didn't have the penny tax, 
we wouldn't be operating anything, which leads to a comment that I was going to hold for later. But Wednesday, we learned that we're moving 220 million people a year, correct? At the end of this five-year period, I know all projects aren't going to be completed. Do you have any idea whether that increase in passenger load is 10 percent, 20 percent, 30 percent? Because I see 4 million here, 5 million yeah. here. Um, what? I think that would be a good in piece of information yeah, to have let, someday. Let's calculate that because I, I don't have it off the top of my head and I want to mislead you today. Um, so let's, and we can get it back to Gretchen and get you an, a number for that. Please. And I realize even in, because some of these projects go out 10 years and we're yeah. spending, we haven't, we're going to be spending the money. But I'd like to know how, how our uh, passenger load is, is going up. Yes, sir. Understood. Chairman? Uh, yes, Mr. Hooper. Um, just to answer, I think I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to answer the question you'd probably try to answer. But when you have a dedicated source of funding uh, for operations, which is one of the things that the surtax was was intended to do, it allows us to go after FTA money and other things because they look at that and grade you based on your ability to pay for the operation. So. The operation, I, I think it's fair to say that the operation was going to grow and that we were going to spend surtax money for an increase in operation. So I think I probably hit that on the head, right? Yep. You yes, did. you did. In fact, in some instances, the FTA requires you to have uh, six months of operating funds in escrow um, at the time that the grant is issued. So they're very serious about making sure that that capital investment is, is appropriately funded um, on the back end when it goes into service. And question whether or not your operating funds would be going up, just like everything else? Uh, yeah, they, I mean, the operating funds are likely to go up year over year. I mean, there's inflation and there's other right. costs associated with but it's that. In, it's, it's the same. The, what's flat, I think, uh, that we is a general uh, fund. It's a general fund and the gas tax. Okay, I, I see it. That's okay. 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 Okay, Corey, go ahead. Thank you. Okay, uh, this is uh, the five-year look ahead for the um, community shuttle from an operating perspective. So uh, this sums all of it. Uh, we're looking at uh, 60 million for the um, community, community shuttle, an additional 8 million for our um, shuttle capital. Sorry, the first one is operating only. The next one is the capital investment. That's for new buses and uh, the transfer of equipment from diesel to propane. Um, and then we need to make certain improvements to uh, bus stops for the community shuttle program in response to the American with Disability Act uh, and the accessibility requirements that we we have to honor. And um, there's also an, an opportunity to expand the community shuttle service, which has been included in here at about uh, $19.7 Just a question on the, so this is, this goes to the cities and it comes out off the mag, is that correct? That's what that says? Yes. Okay, thank That's you. what the notation indicates. What, what's the mag? I'm sorry. So on your previous slide, if you read the, the notation oh, the at the top, okay, yeah, no. the minimum annual guarantee. Okay, sorry, thank you. Mr. Chairman, Mr. Chairman, the, 
new buses, the expansion or the uh, purchase of new buses, are those being purchased for propane or there's so also we, a conversion program it's for a conversion. propane? So we buy them and then we, we convert them. So you, you can't buy them as propane or you have to do the conversion yourself? So I'm going to have um, Paul come up because he's the expert on our propane <laughs> program. He can tell you. Good morning. Paul Strobus. I'm the paratransit director for BCT. Um, the vehicles that we utilize in the service come as gasoline uh, from the manufacturer. We use Ford and Chevy chassis for these types of vehicles. You can have the manufacturer that puts the body on the back of the chassis include the propane system during the manufacturing process. It tends to be a little more pricey. We have a contract to do the conversion after the fact to save okay. us some money. Okay. Okay, um, and this is the uh, five-year plan for the community bus shuttle program. So these are the 1,000 bus stops over, over the five-year horizon at 23 million, and then the purchase of uh, eight, uh, 46 vehicles for um, $8 million over the five-year horizon. And then the expansion of the community um, shuttle program, and um, that that shows you the expenditures over the five-year period. And let's take a break, but it's not my call. <laughs> um, but I will say this: I just want to make a, a comment about the community um, shuttle program. So, you know, we have been approached by um, many of the cities to take a look at that program and, and see what we can do um, in terms of microtransit. Um, and so we are trying to figure out what the right mix is there and we're looking into it. So um, we want to answer the mail there and try to be as responsive as possible to the cities. They have some microtransit programs that are very, very successful. We have community shuttle routes that are very successful too. So we're just trying to balance that. Are these community shuttles only used within the boundaries of that city? Some of the routes overlap. No, some of the routes overlap. So there are set routes, and some cross municipal boundaries depending on because there's, you know, they're like close. Okay. So yeah. yeah. Sometimes, it makes, sometimes it makes sense to connect to certain places like. Uh, right. Well, where I was going with this is, why does this come out of the mag that this it's a city's portion when this is a transportation system countywide and in some cases crossing i'm just asking that question the second amendment pardon the second amendment to the interlocal agreement among the county the municipalities and the mpo provides that the community shuttle costs come out of the mag well who who's proposed i mean who proposed that the county or the city? All of the parties agreed to it. So the cities have existing community. Wait a minute. Wait, the cities have. Right. About, yeah, no. come on, come on. The cities had existing service that was funded, you know, by the county. The county has provided the capital. The county uh, has always provided the vehicles. The county provided a portion of the funding before the surtax uh, passed. The county decided to fund all of it. So the county uh, absorbed what the municipalities used to pay. The, it's a voluntary uh, program, so the cities that asked to participate in it were, were brought in and participate in it, and they operate the service. 
and the county took over what the city, the portion of the, the funding for the, the operations that the cities used to fund and it, through the surtax, we took out. And so that is all included in the minimum annual guarantee that the county has committed to municipalities um, through the existing interlocal agreement. All right, as long as we're not impacting the function uh, and, and uh, use of these transportation systems, then it's probably okay. But I'm, I'm, it's a big system, and it just looks like I don't want a bunch of little parts running around that aren't connected to the whole, okay? So, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman. We can't be sitting up here uh, 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 arguing over a deal that was cut. I mean, it's already cut. I know you don't like it, but it's... I'm not... I am trying to make sure it, we are being as efficient as we can. That's what I'm, what I'm raising the issue. I don't care how it got there. I just want to know, are we being as efficient as we can with those tax dollars moving people in and amongst other okay, states? Okay, so when I was a chair of the TMA in Fort Lauderdale, Community Shuttle, we were dying for money. Okay, and we were constantly, the county threw in some money, the city threw in some money. It was difficult at best to even operate. And so I can assure you that this community shuttle program, the way they've set it up, is a hell of a lot more efficient than it was when, when they were doing them all on their own with the county coming over and saving the day whenever they needed an extra half a million or a million dollars. It's a good plan. There are some efficiencies that are built in by this partnership, so, and, and, and probably why everybody agreed to it. But you have the right to question things if you want. You're the chair. Mr. Chairman. <laughs> Mr. Allen. The bus shelters, do they all have the next bus technology? Not yet. Is it planned? Yeah, so uh, Arethia is, is looking into that and we're trying to figure out how to implement something like that, but we don't have that in service yet. Is there any difference between the spec for a community shuttle stop and a county stop? Mm -hmm. Yes, there is, and I'll have Aretha explain that to you. Aretha Douglas, assistant general manager of our capital programs, and the bus stop program, Can you and the use improvement program does fall under my pre preview. Um, and we do work with our community bus partners that, of course, is in our department. The difference is, there's not many, much difference. Some fixed route stops are shared with community bus stops. We are mandated by the federal government to make these stops ADA compliant. So what you see up there is, and then the five-year plan for community bus, is um, funding to make community bus stops ADA compliant. So the requirements at a fixed route bus stop will be duplicated at what, what we now will have as dedicated community bus stops. So if we need a landing area, for instance, it needs to be five by eight, we'll do the same at the community bus stops if they're not a shared stop with our fixed route stops. But the, the ser services are somewhat interconnected, right? I mean, how, who does the rider have to be knowledgeable in I'm, I get on a community service bus and then I go to the nearest county stop and get a county-wide bus? Well, at the bus stops, we do have signage um, that identifies the service and the routes, both for fixed route 
and community bus. So if it's a shared stop, you'll have signage that says, for instance, Route 18, and then you'll have one for the community bus service too at the same stop. So we do sign so our passengers are aware of what routes are at those locations, especially the ones that are shared. And then the, for the ones that are not shared, we do work with the, the cities to also sign those stops where the cities wanted to have signed bus stops. Okay. Next question. I don't know if you can answer this. <laughs> is there is the pay equity issue going on? Still going on? I'm sorry, sir. The, the pay equity issue between the shuttle drivers and the countywide buses. Um, so yes, there is a th that there is a um, disparity there. Um, the contracts that were negotiated not by the county but by the individual cities uh, had set rates that um, I believe some of them are at least a livable wage. I'm not sure about the details. A Angela can probably get into that, um, but. Uh, those those contracts were negotiated and then we obviously have a labor union and we have our own uh, contract negotiations that we've um, in fact I mentioned yesterday uh, or um, we've actually uh, finalized those negotiations and the uh, hopefully the Commission is satisfied with uh, the outcome and we will have a new contract in place uh, that will be, and it will be even more disparate, desperate, disparate at that point. And that then will become an issue for the cities. Then they're going to have to deal with that, other with the chuck with the community shuttles. I, I, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do to um, levelize this is to have a consortium, kind of like a, you know, my team is working on a uh, marketplace contract where we will negotiate the rates for everybody and then we won't have such, um, the cities won't have the burden of having um, different rates and, and different circumstances. So we are working on that. Paul actually has taken that on um, and we should be going out with an RFP uh, probably in the next, um, I'm gonna say five months or so to, to do just that. How do the wages, how do the wages compare between the school board that county. I do not know, sir. Okay. I'm sorry. If I, I do know that I can tell you this anecdotally. Um, I was at the Florida um, Public Transportation Association meeting. It's a um, strategic meeting of all of the heads of uh, Florida um, uh, um, agencies, transit agencies. And they just really wanted me, particularly the one to the north, to tell them what our pay was going to be as a result of this contract negotiation. Um, and I would not share with him. Um, but uh, we have a friendly um, competition going, uh, seriously, because it, we're just all suffering from not having enough drivers. And, and we, unfortunately, our, our rates were lower than both counties um, adjacent to us before this contract. Okay. This thing is going all by itself. Are you doing it? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you. It's good to see you all again. Thank you for your time. Bye-bye. Uh, Gretchen, are we, do we need to vote on anything else today? Yes. We do. Okay, because I got to, I have to leave. Okay. We'll, we'll get through this quickly. Hopefully we'll get to the vote by 11, if that works for you. Okay.
Yeah, that's the plan. Perfect. Yeah. That's why we're, we're not taking a break. We're, we're on target. That was our break. <laughs> break taken. Uh, I just wanted to acknowledge. I don't know. Can we take a five minute? If someone needs a five minute break, I guess we have to take a five minute break. But make sure it's only five.
Thank you, Mr. Chair. We're going to move into the municipal project five-year plan overview. And before I do that, I do want to acknowledge that there are a number of municipal representatives in the audience and even more that are participating virtually at our request. So um, for those of you that are in the audience, if you'd just like to stand so that the oversight board has uh, an idea of how many of you, thank you. So what I did, <laughs> thank wow, you so much. One, two, three. We have six or seven, right? Yeah, and then we have many, many more that are on the on the line. Well, could we at least hear what city they're from? Sure. We have city of Fort Lauderdale, and we have the city of Coconut Creek, and we have the city of Miramar, and I'm sorry, but remind me, Davy, town of Davy. Thank you. Thanks for coming. So we'll get into, you all have, uh, for those of you that have been on the Oversight Board for a while, you've seen these five-year plans. Um, the way that we structure them is we try to visually depict any type of movement um, from the previous five-year plan. And so the first thing I'll point out to you is that that gold uh, color cell indicates that a project moved out it moved forward from its previously programmed year. These are due to a number of factors. Uh, they are, these moves are permitted under the Second Amendment, and we work closely with the municipalities that are affected, um, get assent from the municipalities in writing. Uh, frequently, cities will ask us to move their projects, reschedule their projects for a variety of different reasons. So these are moving out due to readiness, we also have projects that move up. So they were programmed in a later year of the five-year plan, the previous five-year plan. The project's design is either complete or about to be complete. The cities re formally request that their projects uh, receive construction funding earlier. Uh, generally, it's in the next fiscal year. So what you see here are three projects that requested their construction funding move into fiscal year 2024, which begins on October 1st. And the MPO under the Surtax Services Agreement does an evaluation of the city's requests, uh, looks through their design plans, and recommends to us whether or not a project should be moved up. That's considered a readiness review. So you'll see there that they are programmed in an earlier year due to their construction readiness. Then you'll see a not one last project that has moved into 2025 at the request of the municipality. That is actually a rehabilitation and maintenance project that was recommended in fiscal year 2027 as part of the previous cycle, uh, cycle three. You'll also see some uh, on this slide, you'll see some projects that are highlighted in yellow. What that indicates to you is that those projects were uh, recommended as part of cycle four. So that's this year's MPO process. We're cycle four programs projects into the new fifth year, which is 2028. You'll notice that there are three projects that were recommended on this slide for uh, construction funding in 2028. Those are continuations of projects that were recommended in cycle three for design. Uh, and those projects belong to the town of Davie. Then you'll see a project highlighted in green. That is a project that was recommended for design funding 
in cycle three 2027 programmed uh, design funding for the city of Lauder Hill. The city of Lauder Hill requested funding for their construction phase um, by the MPO through the MPO's process. The project did not rank high enough to be recommended for funding through the normal course of the uh, cycle four recommendation process within the minimum annual guarantee projected. Um, the county did consider the request and the county administrator agreed to program the project's uh, construction funding into 2028. It was reviewed for eligibility by the um, county attorney, our Sartax Legal Counsel, and I'm just going to turn it over to Angela very briefly to put on the record um, her eligible, sorry, determination on that project. Well, the project is currently in, I guess, in design. There are three different phases that are proposed for that project, and they extend uh, a road, an existing road. Phase one is widening and improvements for, um, I think it's 39th, uh, the street in, in Lauder Hill, and, and, and proposes improvements. Phases two and three extend that uh, existing road into other areas. One right now, um, one that for phase two, it's a proposed private development, um, and it is anticipated that the developer will dedicate right-of-way, so that has to occur in order to use surtax funding for the roads within that um, area of the project. Uh, so it's contingent upon uh, dedication of right-of-way for those roads and to extend the, uh, the roadway into that area. And the third phase proposes extending the road onto county property, which will require county approval. So, you know, as the design progresses uh, and advances, we'll see, you know, how it's further developed. But the project in general, since it is extension of a road, is eligible and we'll review the other components as the design um, progresses. Can I ask a question? Can I assume that this is something that the cities indirectly have asked for, correct? Directly. The, the, yeah, the cities directly applied for surtax funding through the uh, MPO, the application process with the MPO. And then there are also these changes, if you want to call them that. So the project is being designed. So the design will flesh out what's okay. proposed to be constructed. Chairman? Mr. Hooper? Um, so all of these changes on these uh, particular projects have been vetted through the MPO and, uh, and have approved these changes. Right. So I, I guess it's no, not. I'm not talking about the, the Lauder Hill. All of them, all the shifts were the, the done shifts. for a reason, and the MPO is part of the uh, decision making. Right. So the Second Amendment requires this, these, because those are all Cycle One projects, and Cycle One projects are required to be funded through all the phases um, as originally ranked and recommended by the MPO. So we maintain those rankings. And there's an evaluation with regard to funding. Uh, the Second Amendment allows the county to evaluate the construction readiness. And there's a section of the Second Amendment that says that uh, for construction phase projects, the county can um, adjust the five-year plan to accommodate the construction, to move it out if the, construct, if the project is not ready for construction, or move in a project that is ready for construction. If there are um, phase projects that are currently in design in the municipality, documents that the design will not be ready if for City X, you know, was 
scheduled to have construction funding in FY24 and the project, the design is not complete and the project is not going to be ready for construction. We get um, uh, documentation of that from the municipality and another project that's actually ready for construction gets moved in and the MPO um, administers that process. And has this been through that process? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'd like to make a motion to approve it. To approve the projects. And then we can talk about it. Do we need a second? Second. A second, but discussion. Mr. Fraser was the first second. Um, excuse me. I think we're doing the five-year plan. We're doing all of it together. I think this is just a presentation regarding the municipal projects. Oh, There's another presentation. We, I thought this is what we were voting on. No, so we're voting on all. So the five-year plan is the funding recommendations going I'm forward. Sorry. And I they'll be taken my... up the way we did the FY20 for public works and um, uh, the transportation department. The, the first motion that we took, first action, was for the FY 2024 budget. The next motion will come, it will take all of the projects into consideration for the remaining four years of the five-year plan, right? There'll be one motion that takes all of these in. Erdl. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, as you know, I'm relatively new on this board and learning about the, the process, including the uh, workshop, the budget, and, uh, and and also looking forward to completing the first cycle. <laughs> and uh, I want to thank uh, you know staff um, for putting together impressive uh, uh, you know presentations uh, about uh, accomplishments last year from the inception to date, and also uh, the projects for the next year and the five year you know the term. And these are incredible uh, projects, effort, vision, you know, uh, this board and also this uh, Broward County, uh, the citizens are looking forward to make these, you know, happen, come true and, and, and uh, demonstrate, you know, the quality of life improvements, you know, for everybody. Um, I am curious, um, how we could include uh, uh, the voices of the municipalities. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad we have presence of members of municipalities in the audience. And I heard also there are a number of them uh, on, on the telephone, and which is really great. Um, and, and there's always process and opportunities for improvements. And I'm not trying to change the process. But um, we have heard from various officials from the county staff, uh, from transportation, transit, uh, uh, and airport. Uh, but um, haven't really anybody kind of stepped up from the municipality, municipalities or rep anybody representing the municipalities, like Broward League of Cities. Um, I know these are all public meetings. Anybody can come in and, and speak up. But is that something we could do at some point, maybe at a, at a um, uh, retreat in the future, or maybe time to time invite them to come in, and if there are any you know, the opportunities to improve communications? Uh, just Gretchen may have a comment on that. Thank you, Mr. Chair, and uh, thank you, Mr. Donmez. We are in the process of um, negotiating, well, we are waiting for um, some 
terms to come from our municipal partners with respect to our current agreement that Angela was referencing earlier, the Second Amendment. Um, and yes, I do invite the municipalities to participate in these meetings. They generally participate virtually. Mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of people who are uh, in attendance for these meetings, especially the budget workshops. We invite the cities, especially those that have any um, projects in the five-year plan or any projects that are impacted or affected by moves to come. But I agree that, um, you know, we've talked about this in the past, actually, prior to you joining the oversight board. There was a discussion by the board members of inviting cities to come and participate uh, more and, and provide feedback on opportunities to improve processes. Um, certainly what I will do, if it is the will of the board, uh, and I receive direction, I will invite them to our retreat on October 20th. And perhaps at that point, we'll have more information about uh, the requests that are being presented by the municipalities with respect to our um, kind of our governing legal agreement. And um, I can work with representatives from the, um, the BCCMA, from the Surtax subcommittee, perhaps. Uh, I know you said the League of Cities, but we generally don't mm -hmm. um, bring elected officials to the meetings, but perhaps um, I can reach out and, and see what is most appropriate. Um, sorry. I, I meant to say BCCMA. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Allen? Mr. Chairman, thank you. Uh, I've harped on this in the past and the concern that I have. On the first chart that you showed after the um, introduction there, that the golden whatever that top color there is a lot of these projects we we see there being highlighted or programmed in a later year continue to slip year after year uh, they are programmed and ready to go but then they the city or somebody decides we're not ready for that project yet we're still developing the specs etc so we slip it and that continues to happen with a number of these projects. Uh, and the concern that I have is to the extent that those projects still are in a state of flux, or either, either in design or they're just not sure when we're going to get around to doing that project, are they impact? Is their presence because of the cap that is placed on how much is available for municipal projects in a year? Are they being impact? Are certain cities being impacted by having projects ready to go, but aren't able because those dollars are already allocated to projects that continue, that continue to slip year after year? Man. And in fact, I you you said that the county administrator had approved an additional ten million dollars uh, on another project for Lauder Hill. Are there other projects like that that are not able to make the list because those monies are already spoken for and on projects that aren't necessarily proceeding? Gretchen. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, Mr. Allen, the, the fact is, is that we are governed by a legal agreement that requires us to maintain funding for projects that were recommended in cycle one. Um, if they were recommended in a planning phase, we are holding all of the funding associated with the planning, design, and construction of those projects. That is what the legal agreement requires us to do. Um, the only projects, as I mentioned in our briefing, the only projects that are even 
uh, up for consideration uh, for being infeasible and thus potentially canceled um, by the county would be projects that were recommended in a construction phase and that were also capital projects, not rehabilitation and maintenance projects. That is what the legal agreement is requiring us to do at this point. But you're in, you said that you're in the process of renegotiating that agreement, is that correct? We have been asked whether the county would be open to renegotiating the agreement and we are awaiting the terms from the municipalities, yes. So we're not in active negotiation at this time. Gretchen, would it be a fair statement that these cycle one projects, there's enough money currently in the program that, we're, that if another project comes along, it's not gonna be hampered by this money that's set aside, or is that not, which way is it? It's up to the county. So the county administrator every year we go through the process of looking at all of the recommendations in the new fifth year, all of the reality of the projects in the, you know, the previous years, whether or not they're ready. We work with the cities, we work through the MPO, uh, and we work with legal. And we try to determine what is the best, <coughs> what's the best path forward? What is the most efficient use of resources? And we come up with various scenarios uh, transportation uh, planners work through a variety of different scenarios and we go in front of the county administrator and our office of management and budget and present those scenarios um, it is really the the decision of the county administrator whether or not she wants to fund above the mag to try to bring projects forward and we have to look at the amount of cost savings that we have real cost savings from construction phase projects that are completed uh, from perhaps the community shuttle program what what did we assume that we were going to expend and then what did we actually expend and can we roll some of that funding forward to be able to accommodate a project a good project that's ready for construction but in the end that is a you know that is a determination of the county administrator whether or not she wants to fund above the mag to move these projects forward were and there any projects that were submitted that did not meet that criteria there, well, of course. So there were, you know, many, many projects that were submitted to the MPO through cycle four. So if in fact you move money, if these projects that are being delayed repeatedly were, were terminated, that money would be available to be, be reprogrammed to another city application. So the city is being harmed because they can't get on the list because those monies are already committed to projects that are continuing to be delayed. That is correct. Okay. That's something that we've talked about for about three years. Something that we continue to talk about year after year relative to, you know, is it time to renegotiate that agreement? And should those cities that are being harmed by other cities sitting on the money? And it they it have looks a voice like you have, um, you have inspired a city to come forward and speak to this issue. Thank you. Hi, good morning. Sheila Rose with the City of Coconut Creek. I'm also the co-chair of the BCCMA subcommittee related to the surtax. And I, although it has been a long slug um, at our last BCCMA meeting, and then again yesterday at lunchtime, we reviewed the proposed terms from the subcommittee with the group, and they will be transmitted to the county administrator on Monday 
or this afternoon. Uh, there were some final typos. So it is just a term sheet of what our ask is. Um, it's the beginning of a negotiation and, and we look forward to working through those issues. Thank you. But that, that topic that I just had a discussion of is part of that package. Part of that package, but I will say, you know, we all struggled with some of the cycle one projects with the eligibility determinations right. and, and the county attorney's office has made great strides in bringing those projects from that sort of gray area to finally getting them done. So hopefully we're clearing that list out. We're hoping, you know, that's everyone's goal is to clear all those cycle one projects out and get them done and built. Mr. Gretchen, what is the count on those cycle one projects? There was 117 or 19, and I know 60 or 70 or... We've got 69 um, active, and I think I presented that to you on Wednesday. Uh, that also includes a variety of uh, projects that were bun with bundles. So there might have been four projects that were presented by a, a city, and they were rolled into one. Um, so at this point, as I mentioned on Wednesday, 72% of Cycle 1 projects um, are under agreement or completed. There are still some projects, obviously, um, and I think that's what Mr. Allen is, is referencing, that are not under agreement, um, aren't really necessarily close to being under agreement, and may not be feasible, uh, but are also not eligible under the terms of our current legal agreement uh, to be canceled. So those are things that we need to, uh, to work through, obviously. Thank you. Just as an example, um, the City of Coconut Creek had two projects. Um, one of them actually will be on our City Commission agenda next Thursday for approval for the design services and we would hope to roll into construction shortly thereafter. One of the projects was for ADA compliant community shelters, bus shelters, um, and we have deemed that project to be unfeasible because of the changing nature of the community shuttle. So we have actually withdrawn that project. Thank you. And, and we greatly appreciate those of you that formally withdraw your projects so that we can redistribute those funds to other municipalities that have feasible projects. Mr. Chair, may I continue with the presentation? Please. Okay. So I just wanted to finish up here uh, with the final list of projects being recommended for the new fifth year. Again, these are recommendations that come through the MPO Surtax Services Agreement process. Uh, these, you can see there are a series of new projects. These are not continuations of previous years. So I just wanted, because we had a little bit of an interruption between these two, I'd just like to make it clear that the first Three bright yellows are continuations of previous year's recommendations uh, from design to their construction phase. And then when you get to this list, these are all new projects in various phases. We have two planning projects. We have a series of design projects and one construction project. Uh, what that means when you're looking at planning and design projects uh, is that we have unfunded liabilities into the future for those projects. In addition, there are still projects from fiscal year 2027 anticipated, right? Because we wouldn't necessarily fund a uh, design project if we didn't have intention to fund the construction projects. But each year they will be evaluated. Correct. And so the, 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 the projects beginning in um, cycle three 
which involved new municipal projects do not hold their ranking for future phases. No. That only affected cycle one. So any, so now, prospectively, beginning with cycle three, municipal projects that are submitted are evaluated for that planned fiscal year, and they, they, they have to come back and be reevaluated for readiness before, uh, uh, and other criteria before funding is recommended for the next phase. Right. right. Thank so you. it's not holding money for subsequent cycles. It has to go back through the evaluation process for the subsequent cycles. Thank you, Angela. And I, and I, sorry. No, I don't know if Mr. Hooper had something. I think he still has his mic on from oh. earlier. I think that's exactly what I was trying to point out for the oversight board, um, perhaps inartfully so, is that we still have projects that were recommended for design phases from 2027 that have not yet been recommended for construction um, because the cities are required to submit an application for every phase they don't hold their rank right so what happens is we still have projects that were recommended for design that don't have construction money and now we have a series of new design projects as well as some planning phase projects from 2028 so what I'm just reminding all of you is that as this process moves forward, um, there are new projects that are coming forward, but there are still phases of previously recommended projects that are not coming forward. And these are also things that uh, I know the municipalities are interested in trying to address in a potential third amendment. And with that, I'm going to close out on the municipal projects five-year plan. Uh, if there are any questions, I'm happy to entertain those. All right, I'm going to quickly go through um, MAP administration. MAP administration is the agency that supports the oversight board, your roles and responsibilities, uh, coordination meetings, as well as supports the appointing authority. We also coordinate with all of the agencies internal to the county that receive surtax funds, as well as our municipal partners. And uh, as you can see, we have 14 positions, three of which are in uh, the Office of Economic and Small Business Development. I see Mr. McDonald in the back, uh, as well as 11 positions that are in MAP administration directly. Two of those positions are currently vacant. When I do my report later, Mr. Chair, I would like um, to point out some of our uh, new members of our team that are here to support you and your efforts. And with that, I will close. Mr. Fraser, could you put the chart back on? I noticed that you don't have any money allocated to construction as far as administration, but you had it in previous years. Is there a reason why not? Yes, thank you for asking that question, Mr. Fraser. So as you all know, those of you that have been on the board from the very beginning, we have been trying to um, create a space that's kind of a public engagement and activation area, as well as a place where the oversight board, appointing authority, and other community groups can meet. Um, and that construction renovation is complete. Um, actually, they're doing the punch list right now. I've been getting texts as we've been having the meeting. So when we have our retreat on October 20th, it will be in the new space at GC West at One North University Drive and Plantation. That is why you don't see any additional construction funding, um, because the construction for that space is complete.
So with that, Mr. Chairman, to turn it back over to you for the eligible review and the approval of the five-year plans. Actually, I'll turn it over to Angela. <laughs> okay, so uh, the five-year plan is, um, especially for capital projects, is something that's statutorily required and, it's and the process is outlined in the uh, Transportation Surtax Ordinance, which is found at 31.5-75 of the Broward County Code of, Code of Ordinances. So what's been happening, I guess, Wednesday and again today is um, outlined in the ordinance. It's that staff compiles the, the projects, uh, proposed projects, and their proposed expenditures, expenditures for the upcoming fiscal year as well as over a five-year horizon and presents them to the oversight board for review and approval as to statutory eligibility of both the project and the proposed expenditure. Um, and once the oversight board takes action with regard to uh, the el statutory eligibility of the projects, those projects are um, taken, submitted to the county administrator who includes them in the county's annual budget process. And the county will approve uh, uh, the county commission will allocate funding for the upcoming fiscal year, which will be FY 2024, and approve the, the five-year planned projects over that five-year horizon uh, between FY 2024 and 2028. And so the proceeds from the uh, surtax, um, the eligibility is outlined in section 212.0551D of the Florida statutes. And um, the statute authorizes the uh, proceeds to be used for planning, development, construction, operation, and maintenance, and supportive services for roads, bridges, and transit, basically. And so the five-year plan outlines the um, uh, proposed expenditures over the uh, proposed projects and planning them over that five-year period. And the motion would be to approve as to statutory eligibility the proposed projects and expenditures for the five-year plan uh, 2024 to 2028 consistent with section 31.5-75H3 uh, of the Broward County Code of Ordinances for the Public Works Department, the Transportation Department, the municipal projects and the map and map administration consistent with what's been presented to the board uh, today for the five-year plan. Mr. Hooper, are you ready? I make a motion to approve as eloquently said by Andrew. Mr. Erdl. Seconded. Oh, any other comments? Call the question. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Aye. Any opposed? Talk about, no, I'm sorry. Talk about Mo the process now. This motion carries. Our recommendations will be presented to the board at their budget hearing, or at their budget workshop. What I will do is, I, consistent with what we do each time, a transmittal letter will be presented uh, to the county administrator after this meeting, and, uh, and whether or not those uh, recommendations are shared with the county commission at their workshop uh, will be determined by the county administrator. Is that budget workshop subject to other workshops on the same budget or is this standalone for transportation projects? No, there are other uh, agencies that will be presented on August 29th besides the Surtax uh, Capital Fund. Okay, who, who presents the... I'm, I'm just questioning whether the chair should be present for the workshop. 
that's certainly something that you all can decide. That has not been the case previously. Uh, the Office of Management and Budget and the County Administrator uh, present the budget. I'm always there uh, if there are questions. Okay, and so certainly, you know, if the if it is the will of the board to have somebody from the So I think the, the board would board. be comfortable uh, with our administrator representing the I think board. they have in the past, but if you want me to sit there and no, I don't sit there. I don't want to make make you do that. I'm suggesting maybe that we just show our sense of support for the administrator I, to present our I wouldn't our want position. that meeting to go any longer, so maybe I just will, What's that? I won't show up. <laughs> all, any of you or all of you are welcome. It's on August 29th, and I'll send some more information out after this meeting about that, okay? Is that video? Yes. Okay. It's in live, room 430. It's live, just like all budget workshops for the county commission, yes. And when are our next meetings? Um, our, we, we have only one meeting left, um, and it is on October 20th. That is the, it is scheduled right now as a regular meeting uh, and a retreat. It will be in our new space in Governmental Center West at 1 North University Drive Plantation. It will start at 9.30, and we'll be working on the materials based on some of the direction and discussion that's occurred uh, on Wednesday and today with the, with the members. And then it's at that meeting that the Oversight Board will set its calendar for the for 2024 calendar year. So we'll, we'll select our dates. And don't forget to bring your calendars to that meeting because we'll select our dates and our backup dates for the entire calendar year 2024. Uh, Mr. Chair. And Thea? Will this event, on uh, our meeting on October 20th, be almost like a, a launch or an opening of, no? no, no Not necessarily. Family, no celebration? Not necessarily. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to be in a position to do a full, like we talked about inviting all of the agencies and our administration and our commissioners, um, but I, I'm going to have to wait and see where we are with the space. Um, but eventually, yes, that is the plan. The plan is to do uh, groundbreaking and invite uh, all of our stakeholders and have them present and able to come down and do a walkthrough. Absolutely. We ready for reports? Ah, I do have a small report today. Um, if I might read this, please. As we continue to refine our effectiveness for the voters of Broward County as part of the Transportation Surtax Oversight Board, I would encourage the board members to pay special attention and review again pages 89 through 117 of the 196-page verbatim minutes from our last meeting in April. Let me repeat that. I think you have an electronic copy on your computer, pages 89 through 117. I believe this is one of the legacies of our past and first chair, Mr. Alan Hooper, and it is good food for thought as we move forward. Thank you. I put that in the record so that you wouldn't have to uh, you, right at all. Could you, Mr. Chair, just kind of say essentially what the essence of those pages? <laughs> the essence of those pages are that this board is not a rubber stamp. 
and uh, I think that was the essence of that. I think it was uh, sage advice, and as we move forward, I think uh, there's always room for improvement. So I think it kind of hit the nail on the head of something that, that Alan has brought his share, and I think it needs to continue, and I would, I would encourage you to take a close look at it. Got it. Thank you. Noted. Any member comments? Mr. Allen, your button's on. Surtax General Counsel. I have nothing further. Board Coordinator. Yes, I would like very much if, uh, if I could have a moment of personal privilege to introduce to you some of your uh, talented, dedicated uh, staff that help make these meetings possible. Um, and. I'm very, very, I'd uh, like to ask Margaret Daly-Johns to come up and introduce um, a new member of our team. This individual uh, comes to us with uh, extensive experience. Uh, they are working with the municipal uh, contracts, the, the grants that we provide to our municipalities, and they're looking at the finances of all of those grants. So Margaret, with that, I'm going to let you introduce Nick. Good morning. Chair, Vice Chair, members of the Oversight Board, it's my pleasure to introduce our newest team member, Mr. Nicola or Nick DiGiornardo. I'm sorry, Nick, I'm trying. Um, he is our new contract grant administrator and he will be working a lot with me with the financials and also with the municipal grants. And Nick, welcome. Would you like to say a few words? Hello, my name is Nick. I come from Barry University. That was my last position. I worked with contracts grants um, for the sites throughout the state of Florida. Uh, I was the director of operations, so, and that's where I come from. Well, welcome, and you've got a lot of um, work to do. We love these grants. Yeah, <laughs> so do I. In fact, we are tracking these grants. Yeah, so. that's what we do. Welcome. And Thea? Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. You. And um, finally, I'd just like to make a very exciting announcement that uh, Ms. Tashana Wilson. Uh, Tashana Wilson uh, came to us as a public information specialist. Uh, she has recently been promoted to the marketing manager. And that means that she's coordinating with all of our internal agencies, their marketing departments, as well as all of the 29 participating municipalities, getting the word out, doing the big splashes, and um, working to activate our new public Surtax Plaza. And so congratulations to Shana. Why don't you say a few words? Oh, I wanted to also mention she's going to be giving you a very robust presentation about the vision for the next five years as far as doing public outreach engagement and marketing for the program. You said that just for me, Gretchen, so happy to be reintroduced to the board as your new marketing manager, and I look forward to our presentation at the retreat. Thank you. Welcome. Congratulations. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Gretchen, I guess there's nothing else unless anyone has heartburn and Thea might. Well, I just want to just say a big thank you to all the presenters over the last uh, two days. I know there's been a lot of work that went into that production um, at Broward College. We prepare at the foundation uh, for our board members, and I just know how how much work can get into uh, preparing um, for these board presentations. So I just wanted to 
technology or efforts. And uh, to thank you, Gretchen and Miss um, Wallace, my sister over there, for everything that you do to support us um, over the past year. Um, it's 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 been great for us to have your support. Thank you. And uh, I want to thank the cities that showed up and the cities that are on the phone. Uh, uh, we'd, like, we'd like to do more for you if we can. In some cases, we just need more information. And um, one more thing, I'm sorry. I'd just like to thank the Office of Management and Budget, particularly Sunjin Zanker, uh, as well as Kevin Kelleher for all of their support in getting these materials together as well. Thank you so much. No, nobody has anything else. We stand adjourned at 11.34. Thank you.